My name is Maggie. Our scriptural reading today is found in Mark 4, 26-33. Let us stand for the reading of God's word. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows through. He does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the Full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has has come. Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet, when planted... It grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Wow, you guys did a great job. You are so cute. Uh, Maggie, that is, is, is cute. But you, but, but you are too. And thank you for that scripture reading. Well, today we're going to be talking about Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 34. That's actually quite a large uh, passage. But before I get into that, some of you probably today are thinking, who is this guy? Well, I thought that Pastor Greg was preaching today. And... Uh, This guy doesn't look like Pastor Greg. His skin color is different. Uh, He looks a lot younger. And his hair is all wrong. Well, that's because I'm not Pastor Greg. Um, And uh, I I didn't know that I would be here 48 hours ago, plus the one hour that we gained this this morning. But Pastor Greg had to be called away. And uh, I'm here to uh, bring the message to you this morning. Now, on a a very uh, more sober note, um, Pastor Greg has gone to be with his dad. Uh, Some of you have known that uh, Pastor Greg's dad went through a hip replacement surgery. Unfortunately, although the surgery went well, um, he came across some health issues that took a turn for the worse. Now, Pastor Greg was debating whether or not he should go, and, um, and he has gone to be with his dad. Now, the good news, though, is, and we thought that it would be important to give you, our church family, an update, is that um, his dad's health has actually improved since he arrived. And, amen. And so, um, and so his, his dad was moved from a rehab center uh, to a hospital where he, he, he started to get uh, more uh, medication that was targeting those areas of infection. So the long and the short of it, church family, is please pray for our senior pastor. Uh, and he needs to feel that, that certainly that we are praying for him. And I know that he's encouraged um, by your prayers. 
and, uh, and, and we thought it would be good to give you all an update so that we can join together in prayer and help support him during uh, this time. Now, we don't know what God wants in this situation, but we know that God's will is good. So let's pray for his will in the life of both Charlie and Greg Waybright, and that his will may be done. Now, today, friends, we're going to be talking about Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 34. Uh, that's a bit of a longer passage than what was read. And some of you may remember this story, though, because it's the kind of a story that we talk about a lot in Sunday school. I remember when I looked at this passage, it immediately reminded me of my days back uh, growing up in Sunday school uh, where they had flannel graph stories. You remember the flannel graphs? You could throw something on that and Jesus would just stick to the wall. He was that sticky. And so when you think about this passage, you you know, it's easy to to sort of get warm and fuzzy feelings about that story. Okay, so you guys didn't get that joke. That's fine. You know, warm and fuzzy flannel graphs. That's okay. But friends, as we look at this again, I want us to take a, a long, hard look at the parable of the sower and the seed, as well as the two other parables of the seed that Jesus talks about. Because as we look closely, we can see that in that there is instruction, there is hope, there is challenging stuff in God's Word that will help us in our walk with the Lord. It will cause us to think about challenging issues that perhaps all of us face and are grasping with from time to time. Problems like overcoming sin or anxiety, shame, broken relationships, perhaps anger management, a host of other things that we know are not what God created us to be like. And Jesus' words in Mark chapter 4 provide help for us with this issue that I'm guessing that all of us grapple with. And Jesus says in Mark chapter 4 that His working in us is like a seed. Now, before we get into the passage, there are two preliminary matters that I want to talk about. The first is the setting. And as you know, this series that Pastor Greg has been leading us through is called This Too Shall Be Made Right. And that's because in Mark's gospel, it's all about the inbreaking of God's kingdom into our world. We have been hearing and seeing that Jesus is the promised Messiah and the Son of God. And His mission is to make everything right in the universe. If we skip to the end of the book, Revelation chapter 21 and 22, it tells us quite clearly that God's mission is to make right everything in the cosmos. Everything. When we think about things like hurricanes and floods like we saw recently on the East Coast, call it Super Storm Sandy, well, these things will no longer happen. How about poverty and joblessness, like the candidates are discussing in these presidential elections these days? They will not exist. How about wars? They'll cease. Death? It will be no more. And temptation and sin will no longer be there. We will all be free. So God's mission is to make right all things everywhere in His creation. And Jesus called God's right-making mission the kingdom of God because Jesus came to make all things right. With that in mind, we've seen in in Mark chapter 1 to 3, we've seen how Jesus has authority over all wrongs in the world. He cast out demons. He healed sicknesses. 
He had authority over all earthly authorities. And in later chapters, he will feed the hungry. He will overcome natural disasters. He will even raise the dead to life. And when Jesus is done, all who trust in him will be made right. And we will be part of a universe that knows, that makes known the love, wisdom, beauty, and holiness of its maker. But when Jesus spoke this message to his hearers, all this seemed very far away because there was a lot that was wrong in the world that this kingdom of God seemed awfully far away. And even today, I'm sure that you must admit, it sometimes still does. And that's the context for our message today. But if God is in the business of making all things right, how does God work? And Jesus said, it's like a seed. Well, hold on a minute, Jesus. Why don't you just raise up an angelic army and march on Jerusalem and take it by storm? Did he call down supernatural fire from heaven to consume all the wicked people? What does the transforming work of God look like? It looks like a seed. A seed, you might be asking, did, why did Jesus choose to liken God's kingdom to a seed when he could have used so many better examples? Sometimes I find myself thinking that too. Maybe he should have called the kingdom of God like a horse. You know, those were symbols of power and military might in biblical times. But what about God's kingdom is like an eagle, majestic, dignified and strong, soaring on the wind? Or why not God's kingdom is like an army, terrifying, you know, marching on the enemy? But Jesus said his kingdom was like a seed. Now, friends, I have to admit that when I thought about today's message, I thought about my grandma. Here's a picture of grandma coming up. Some of you might remember that last time I was up here, I talked about my little hometown called Singapore. I shared with you, you know, that's where I came from, you know, my family's from there. And I talked a little bit about the food, and I know that many of you have come up to me and you remember nothing about my message except where can I get Singapore food? I guess that's one way of remembering a message. But some of you might know as well that I'm, I'm a product of a mixed marriage. Uh, my dad is Sri Lankan and my mom is Chinese. And here's a picture of my dad's mom. Uh, and she's Sri Lankan. And that's grandma in her sari. Now, of all the years, and grandma is 94 years old. Pretty good for 94, huh? And... In all the years that I've known her, she's only worn two things, her sari and her pajamas, kind of like a robe. And so this is grandma in her sari. Now, the thing about her that reminded me about this passage is the fact that my grandmother is a consummate gardener. You'll see her standing in this next slide with her orchids, and she loves to grow orchids. And her garden is a lush, tropical, botanical treasure. Now, I don't understand such people because I can't garden for nuts. My grandmother, though, if you gave her a plastic bag and she planted it in her garden, it would probably turn into a plastic bag tree. Now, my wife tells me you can't grow anything, not even mold. And I thought that was the end of the story, you know, my grandmother and gardening. But when I met my wife, I discovered that she, too, is one of those people who have a green thumb. Here's a picture of 
uh, a house that we were occupying before, and um, it's a, just a blank slate, a blank wall with just a little bit of dirt. I, we gave her that, and then she started planting roses and all kinds of different plants, and this is what happened after she, uh, just a couple of months, that same wall. You'll see that the, the blooms are so lush that in this next slide, those roses, you can't tell the difference uh, between uh, the beauty of the roses and the beauty of my wife, you know, get it? Get it? Well, and those roses are just as big as her face. So I don't understand such people. I don't understand this, anything about gardening, really, uh, except those things that my wife taught me. But I realized, especially in meditating on this scripture, that you can learn a lot from gardening and spending time with gardeners. The more time that you spend with the Lord in gardens and with gardeners, the more that you will see His Word opening up to you and more that you'll understand about His nature in a profound and astonishing way. Now, back in biblical times, you've got to understand that they relied on the land a whole lot more than we do today. It was an agrarian culture. Their lives were connected to the land in a profound way. Agriculture was as relevant to them as the stock market or the elections. It was their livelihood. And without it, they would never survive. As late as the 20th century, the early 20th century, you still found that. People were still very connected to the land. My wife and I have been watching a, uh, a series called Downton Abbey. And that's a story of the landed gentry. And the whole premise of that story is Downton Abbey, the actual place, the wealth of that family, which was very much connected to the land and what was going to happen to it. It's only recently that we've become so disconnected with the land. And so when we look at passages like this, we go, Jesus, why did you choose to talk about seeds when you could have done something better? Isn't that very quaint and archaic? But friends, this passage we're looking at today is just as relevant to our lives as it was to Jesus' hearers 2,000 years ago. You see, in order to be a gardener or a farmer, you need to know how to work with seeds. It's only when you understand more about seeds that you understand why Jesus chose to talk about seeds as being like the kingdom of God. See, one of the main things about a seed that is important for us to remember is that there is life-giving power locked inside a seed. I think we all know that if we plant a rock in the soil, we can water it and weed it all the day long. We can even tell it to grow, but it's not going to grow. You see, because a rock doesn't have the power of life within it, but in a small seed, there is power to become what it is meant to be, a vegetable, a flower, or fruit-bearing tree. Now, a rock may look more impressive than a seed from the outside because a seed looks small, insignificant beside it. But it's the potential of what the seed could become that makes it greater than a rock in any instance. Jesus specifically refers to seeds as being like the Word of God. In Genesis, uh, God spoke words and things came into being. So words have power. Now, Jesus is saying that the word of the gospel has the power to, in fact, recreate the world. So a word from God has not only the power to create, but to recreate. 
And so when we hear the gospel and it, we receive that seed into our lives, we move from death to life. See, the world doesn't understand this. The world would rather put its trust in things like military might or the power of the economy, the stock market, and so on. But we see time and time again such things rise and fall and wane and betray us when we put our trust in them. And so the Bible uses this metaphor of a, of a seed, as the, of the Word of God being as a seed over and over. In 1 Peter chapter 1.23, it says, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. In James 1.18, it also says that the Father chose to give us birth through the Word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. And of course then, Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 10. He says that people cannot know God's rescue if they haven't heard the gospel. And they cannot hear unless someone preaches God's message to them. You know what this implies? That for those of us who don't know Jesus Christ and we haven't received his word, we are in some sense dead. Jesus is saying that when we receive the gospel, it makes us alive to things that are very real, to things, to spiritual realities that we would otherwise never know. It takes the Spirit of God to breathe His life back into us through receiving His Word in order to cause us to be born again and alive to spiritual realities. These are spiritual realities like forgiveness of sins, the presence of God daily in our lives, and the resurrection of Jesus these things are real. And being alive to them provides new power for daily living. So when huge problems come our way, we have this view of reality that keeps us from being blown away by those problems. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the seed. So Jesus says, God's work in us and in the world is like a seed. Then he tells three different stories to offer us instruction. Not just instruction, but hope and patience as well. And so let's look at that right now, especially in the context of the first parable. And so the lesson that we get from that is that if you're going to plant a seed, make sure it goes deep. Now why am I saying that? Because you see, as you look at the different soils that Jesus was talking about in that parable... It talks about the problem that those seeds faced. And the problem was a depth problem. You see, in the first soil, the seeds didn't get into the soil at all. So the enemies, like the birds, they came along and they devoured them. In the second soil, the seeds didn't go in deep enough to take root. Oh, at, at first, those people who received it received with great enthusiasm. So when Jesus did miracles, people were amazed, but they didn't allow their amazement to change their lives. And then in, in the third soil, the seeds, they go into the soil, but they go in at the same level as other weeds and thorns. It's like Jesus is being added to other things that I like in my life. He's not the Lord of my life. 
but he's just an add-on. And as a result, those thorns grow up together with the seeds and choke the truth of the gospel in our hearts. But now let's look at the fourth soil, because there is a big difference. Now we can't see this in our English translations very well, but when Jesus spoke, he changed his verb tense, and this is for the word here, that we heard the gospel in the fourth soil, to one that calls for ongoing action. In other words, to hear and to keep on hearing. All the other times that he talks about the different soil, he uses the past tense for the word hear. But Jesus didn't use that in the fourth soil. He didn't just speak about this fourth soil receiving his word once, but over and over again. Now the word from God then is heard again and again. It is accepted to, into the heart and is allowed to go deep and then it changes us from the inside out. Um, there is a good uh, example that Pastor Greg uh, talked about. Now, I didn't really pay attention in chemistry class, but evidently he did. So I'm going to use his example. And he said that in his high school chemistry class, uh, he had a lesson dealing with the difference between organic and inorganic growth. Uh, they would take a stone and they dipped it every day into a wet compound over and over again. And then they would let it dry overnight. They did this day after day until the stone began to become quite large. Then one day, the teacher brought in a, a dissolving solution. They put the stone into this solution and in a few seconds, all the external inorganic growth was gone. And what they were left with was just that stone that they started out with. See, that's inorganic growth. But organic growth is part of what the thing actually is. It is growth from the inside out. Friends, one of the things that we should be very afraid of is for us to develop all the external trappings of churchianity. By simply being in services, by knowing all the words of the songs, by knowing all the rules. But there is no real life inside. See, the one who is alive to God has brought God and his gospel deep within his heart and allowed it to begin to transform him from the inside out. So how do we let the word of God in and, and grow and produce? And how does this word planet take us from where we are to where God wants us to be? And Jesus says it's like a seed. So, so here are three thoughts that came uh, to me as we consider this passage about why it's like a seed. And the first thought is this. It's a thought about how to hear. Now the word for listen or hear means to hear deeply with intent to understand and to apply. So we need to listen carefully for God's voice when a sermon is preached or when you read the scriptures. Now what am I talking about? But it's very different from listening to something or hearing something without any intention to apply that. See, Mark chapter 9, 7, it talks about the incident where Jesus went up the mountain with his three disciples. And then appearing next to him was Moses and Elijah. And then a voice came out of the heavens saying, this is my son, listen to him. Now it's that exact same word in the Greek in that passage and in this. Is there a difference? Not at all. Because what God was saying at that time 
was not only just listen to Jesus' words, but obey him. Because he represents both the law and the prophets. In this passage too, we're called to hear the word of God. You see, in Hebrew thought, it would be inconceivable to just hear or listen to someone in an academic sense without any intention to apply what you just heard. You listened to obey. The word listen is used ten times in this chapter. So here's an important lesson about how we should listen to God. Sometimes you need to listen to God's word more than once so that the truth in that word can take root deep within you. So don't despise the work that repetition can do for you. We do that with our children all the time, isn't it? Well, Johnny, I told you that 100 times. But in fact, God does that with us when we don't allow his word to change our lives. And so when you listen, listen in ways that seek to discern how God would have you to apply what you hear. Luke chapter 6, 46 to 49 gives us a very good illustration of this. Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and then puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the rock, the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So we need to think carefully, friends, about how we are hearing the Lord when his word comes to us. And then a second thought is a thought about the thorns. Now, friends, one of our biggest problems is that we often segment our spiritual life from the rest of our lives. But you see, the Word of God must transform every aspect of our lives. There was a part of the parable in the first parable that goes directly into Jesus' discussion about a lamp on a lampstand. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. See, the Word of God has a way of exposing areas in our lives, like a lamp shining into a dark place. And very often it finds things that have been hidden there for a long time. And when you find things that aren't right in God's eyes, you are then confronted with an awkward question. What am I going to do with that now? Because if I have ears to hear, I have to hear, which as I illustrated before, means intentionally doing something about what you just heard. Friends, are there things hidden in your inner being that are choking out the Lordship of Jesus in your life? A relationship you will not give up even though you know it doesn't honor Christ? A habit or a pattern of life that you just don't seem to want to turn from? Or is there something vying for the lordship of your life with Jesus? Friends, things like your career and relationships and maybe even sports, these are things that God has created for our enjoyment. 
But when we allow them to usurp the position of Christ in the throne of our hearts, we're no longer proclaiming Him as Lord. And we're allowing those thorns to arise and choke the gospel out of our hearts. And so the third thought I also want to give to you is a thought about the soil of community. You know that a seed needs the right conditions to flourish. It needs soil that is mineral rich, has sufficient water, allows it room to grow, and so on and so forth. And so just in the same way, friends, a healthy Bible teaching intergenerational and diverse church is God's good soil to grow in. This is a place where others help you to understand the things of God. They help you to apply the Word of God in good ways. And the soil of church community can also hold you accountable to the work, to work the Word of God deep into your life and to live it out. Don't you think that it's wonderful to have a group of people who can pray with you and support you through tough times, but also hold you accountable to the Word of God in your life? And it's also wonderful to have a mentor when you're serious to follow Jesus and that person can talk to you about issues that you're facing in your life and challenge you and pray with you. Friends, if that's what you're looking for, that's what this church can do for you. And I've said this before, if you're looking for a place that you can connect in, make sure that you avail yourself of our Pathway Center, our Welcome Center, and ask somebody about how you can connect to God. Because your spiritual growth will depend on that. What does it look like when you allow God's Word to go deep into your heart and to change your life? Because it's not a life that is simply governed by rules, although part of being alive to God is to know that His commands are good. But you see, God's Word doesn't deal with every single situation in our life. We want to live the way that God tells us to live. But the abundant life of Jesus is not rule-centered. We see an example of this when Paul and Peter met in Antioch. And Paul noticed that what Peter was doing was not right. You see, some professing believers in Christ, but they were still very legalistic. They came to Antioch while Peter and Paul were there. These men, they refused to eat with the Gentiles, and Peter followed them. When Paul confronted Peter, he he didn't say, well, Jesus gave us new rules against racism. No. In fact, in Galatians 2, he said, you're not acting in keeping with the gospel. And he pointed out that we are all sinners saved by grace. It doesn't matter whether we're born under a particular bloodline or a particular race or a particular family. We're all saved by Christ. And so we have to act that way. Friends, you have to see this. You see, when Jesus comes into our lives through the Word, like a seed, He takes root deep in our hearts. And as an outworking of that, the message of Scripture begins to affect all of our decisions. Maybe you're thinking about how I should vote this week in our elections. Well, you see, when you allow the Word of God to come into your life, that affects every decision that you make. And you see issues through the lens of Scripture In effect, we use the scriptures as a lens through which we see everything in life, work, marriage, even policies and candidates. Don't wait for a pastor to give you a checklist, but check with God. Because the pastor's job is not to make these decisions for you, but rather to point you to the one 
who will guide you in those decisions that you have to make in life. Because the more we allow Scripture to grow deep in our hearts, the closer we grow to God's Spirit and allow Him to guide us through everyday decisions that we have to make. So now that's just Jesus' first parable. Uh, We also need to talk about the other two parables of seeds that Jesus talked about after that. And let me turn then to the next parable, which is a lesson on patience. It's a lesson on patience and that growth comes only from God. You see, when the message of the gospel comes to us, we're responsible to let it go deep into our hearts. And once we have received the gospel, we gain the privilege to sow seeds all over the world. But in this second parable, Jesus lets us know that there is something about planting and the growth of God's kingdom that goes outside of human control and understanding. And that's the way with all seeds, isn't it? A human being, a farmer, usually plants them, and then the soil covers them, and for a while, people wonder whether there has been any change at all. But then a little sprout appears, and then a leaf, and then a stalk, and soon the whole field is alive with growing corn, and it happens without having to constantly depend on human knowledge and energy. You see, the whole thing is the miracle of God that only God fully comprehends. So we receive this seed and we sow seeds of God's life-giving word, but it is God who brings about the life and the growth. Now, friends, I'm mentioning this to encourage many, many of us here who have been planting seeds in the lives of our children, our spouses, our friends, Sometimes you've been doing this for years, and up to now, nothing has happened. But Jesus' message to us is that we are to be faithful, and faithful to receive the word of God ourselves and to plant seeds all around through witnessing and showing the love of God. But growth is God's work. And friends, sometimes things can look like they are dead beyond repair, but somehow something happens and something that looked dead begins to come alive again. In my backyard, there grows an Alstroemeria plant. Do you guys know what an Alstroemeria plant is? It's a beautiful plant. It's, it's green, but it has all kinds of multicolored flowers. I brought a slide here to show you what a healthy Alstroemeria plant looks like. But something happened over the summer. And our Alstroemeria plant looked like, began to look like it was deader than dead. We're talking about curly fries at KFC. It looked like we could take that thing out, feed it to a horse, and it would not know what the difference was between that plant and hay. And so it basically turned to straw, like that picture. Now that's a picture of tumbleweed, not, not the plant, but you get the picture. And just as my wife, Christine was about to pluck it out of the ground and throw it into the oven, you know, very biblical thing to do, Um, suddenly she noticed a little green leaf peeking out. And it was like the plant was saying, I'm alive, don't throw me away. And yesterday when I went to look at this plant again in our backyard, I was shocked, friends, because that plant was greener than the salad that I had for lunch the following day. It was full of green leaves. So when you plant seeds, friends, 
And you don't see any difference. And in fact, perhaps you only see the opposite. Death. Don't be discouraged. Keep on sowing. And let God do the work of growth. Because in time, if you don't give up, God will bring about that growth. It says in Scripture, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes it grow. And in the third parable of the seed, this is the one about the mustard seeds. I would say that the lesson that we can learn from that is hope. See, God's kingdom is going to come. And in the end, it will be big. I'm sure in the early days of the church, people went to Jesus and they thought he was mad. They said, well, Jesus, do you really think that just by preaching a few sermons, you can change the world? I bet that within 10 years, people are going to forget your sermons. Look, really, what you need to be is not a preacher. You need to be a politician. We know that Jesus actually did face that temptation. When he went into the wilderness and the devil came to him at the beginning of his ministry, he said, what you want to do, Jesus, is to take power. I will give you, see, all these kingdoms of the world belong to me. That's the way you want to be the Messiah. But Jesus wouldn't have any of that. He said he would rather plant seeds. And what about us? We sometimes get frustrated thinking, my own life, wow, it seems to be moving and changing so slowly. If it's taking so long for me, how can God bring his kingdom here on earth? How is it even possible? And in this little parable, Jesus is saying, this too is like a seed. You may think that the word, proclaiming the word into lives, doesn't seem like a good strategy for such a huge task. But you see, any seed looks insignificant the day you plant it. I imagine Jesus picked up a mustard seed as he was saying that. Just imagine one of those seeds in the palm of someone's hand. It was so small. It was a seed that could be lost in the palm of your hand. Yet, after it was planted, it grew into a plant that could provide even shade for many other aspects of creation. Did you know that the mustard seed tree could grow as high as 20 feet? And provide shade for all kinds of creatures. My grandma enthusiastically tells me about her garden every time that I I go back and and talk with her. And when I was able to spend time with my grandma recently during our last trip to Singapore, I remember clearly how her whole countenance changed when she told me about a plant that she had recently planted. But it was not the plant that she was so tickled by, but the fact that a couple of little birds had built their nest in the plant. They had laid eggs, and they were raising a family in the branches of that tree. I will always remember the pride and the joy that she had as she told me about that plant. Friends, I imagine that that is the kind of pride and joy that our Lord has when we are able to grow and fully mature so that we individually and together as a church become a shelter and a refuge and a shade to those who have no home and no spiritual foundation in our community and in the world. So what's the lesson that we can learn from this? Friends, do not despise the day 
of small beginnings. Jesus declared that when He enters our lives, He will begin something that grows into a life that is beautiful and productive. That is the hope that you and I can hold on to. And as we as disciples spread that seed and make other disciples, the gospel can change the world far more powerfully than military might, politics, or education ever can. The world changes when human hearts change. And so, friends, we are reminded today to be patient with that work that God has and also to not despise the day of small beginnings because it is all part of God's plan to build character, patience, and persistence. As I close today, I want to tell you a story that I heard from a motivational speaker whose name is Zig Ziglar. Perhaps some of you might remember him as a very successful motivational speaker, but not only that, a follower of Christ who's not afraid to say that. He told the story of a Chinese bamboo tree and how it grows. You know, in China, when the farmers want to grow a bamboo tree and they grow it from seeds, not from sprouts, they would go into a field, they would plant the seed. Now, before I get into the story, I want you to know that bamboo is far more common in Asia than it is here. It is known as a very strong and sturdy material People build furniture from this and scaffolding. In fact, I remember in my childhood that the only thing that was preventing a construction worker working on a high-rise building from meeting a very messy end would be a bamboo scaffold. And so you see, it is also known as one of the world's fastest-growing plants, very strong. But the thing about bamboo is that it doesn't start off that way. It seems that this tree, when it is planted watered and nurtured for an entire year does nothing. So the farmer goes back and looks at this hole where he's planted this Chinese bamboo tree. He waters it, he fertilizes it, takes a look at it again and waits. And in the second year, after he's done that, nothing happens. In the third year, the farmer goes back, he waters it, he, he fertilizes his plant, he, he looks at it, he maybe says some nice words to it to make sure that it's actually doing something, and then he leaves, and in the third year, the Chinese bamboo plant does nothing. So the sun rises and sets four solid years on this Chinese bamboo plant. And the farmer and his wife have nothing tangible to show for all the labor that they have put in, in growing this tree. And then, in the fifth year, that the Chinese bamboo tree seed finally sprouts. That's not asparagus, ladies and gentlemen. I know that we might be getting hungry, but that is not asparagus, but sprouting of a Chinese bamboo tree. And then in that final year, the bamboo tree grows up to 90 feet in just one growing season. I think there's a picture of a bamboo forest. And you see that's very common in Asia, bamboo forest growing up, up in the middle of nowhere. Friends, you see, little did the farmer know, but during the course of those four years, the little bamboo tree was developing its deep root system underground, unseen by the naked eye. If the farmer had stopped watering and fertilizing it during the first four years of its life, it would have died. What if the farmer had decided to check on the bamboo seed? and uprooted it to see how it was doing. It would have damaged its growth, and worse, may have even caused its death. 
Friends, the same is true for the gospel and for prayer. Sometimes we toil and we toil in prayer and, we, and fasting and we don't see any change. We plant a seed or maybe many seeds in the lives of our loved ones and we pray for them and nothing happens. But maybe, just maybe, all through that time, while we were planting and watering, God was doing His part. Working behind the scenes, preparing a miracle that we could not see. So don't be surprised, friends, if one day you look out your window and those seeds that you've been planting and watering have suddenly sprouted. Then, friends, we will finally understand Psalm 126, which says this. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. So, friends, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And let's get God's word down deep. And nobody will steal it away from us. All glory and honor and power and praise and wisdom and thanks belong to the one who risked it all for us. Who risked it all for seed. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Amen.